I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So welcome back to the show, everyone. To give kind of an academic update about my life as a student, I am officially 75% done with my AP exams. I took my AP US History exam last week, which I mentioned as my episode opener for the previous episode. So I think everyone, if you listen to that episode already, you're familiar with that. And this week, I took both my AP English language exam and my AP seminar exam back to back, literally back to back, which by the way, was awful. I do not recommend. And after writing like five essays within a handful of hours, reading just became impossible. Evaluate to what extent is now one of my least favorite phrases to hear ever. Moreover, my AP seminar exam was the one I took last out of the two, so I ended my test day with that. And a central part of that test included identifying a problem within whatever sources we were given, and then constructing an essay that included some sort of original solution to solve it. And this is an aspect of the class that my peers and I joke about a ton. I mean, College Board wanting us to solve a major societal issue like homelessness or world hunger, which are, by the way, random issues I came up with at the top of my head, not actual test content, so College Board do not rescind my scores. So as I previously mentioned, my classmates and I have joked about this exam demanding us to create a viable solution to these major issues within like an hour and a half, which can be stressful, but kind of rewarding at the same time since you learned so much. And to connect my experiences as a student to the topic of today's episode, a parallel can definitely be drawn between that scenario I just described and a very common real-world situation, that is, the existence of missionary work. Much like the outline of my AP seminar exam, these organizations identify problems within foreign countries and strive to correct them through the solution of building homes, schools, etc., Now, from the surface level, that seems amazing. I mean, people taking the initiative to help improve poor communities. It's a commendable thing. But when you realize that there is an entirely different side to them, it's easy to view them in a more negative light. So that brings me to my main topic. What are mission trips? What do they do to improve foreign communities? And how could they possibly be a bad thing? Continue listening to learn all about it. So obviously, before I actually start talking about what might be wrong with mission trips, it's important to establish what they even are. So essentially, mission trips are, of course, trips that consist of primarily Christian groups and organizations traveling to a foreign country with the main intention of spreading their religion through Christ-like activities. And when I say Christ-like activities, I mean ones that demonstrate kindness, aid, generosity, characteristics like that. So for a lot of missionary groups, this often translates to them going to some kind of third world country to help in the construction of a new home or school, caring for little children that are especially vulnerable to disease, etc. Which alludes to the underlying theme of these missionary trips. To convert. It's important to note for this exact reason that a very focal point of Christianity, the religion as a whole, whether Catholicism or like Protestant, is to spread your religion, to spread the message of Jesus, whoever you believe in, to people throughout the earth, to just kind of make as many Christians as you can, to make disciples. And this is such a discernible element of Christianity, because while Christians aren't the only religious group that travel abroad to foreign countries, or even domestically speaking, to spread their religion, it is a founding point of Christianity. That's what makes it so important to Christians to go and spread the religion to other people, because that's what it states in the Bible, to, you know, make disciples. So because it's such an important feature of Christianity, it makes it makes sense that the majority of people that are going on mission trips are Christians seeking to spread the religion. In fact, there are so many of them that according to the U.S. Center for the Study of Global Christianity, there were 440 
8,000 Christian missionaries working abroad in 2018. The fact that this large presence of Christian missionaries throughout the globe continues to grow every single year, not just within 2018, leads many to believe that they're doing something very beneficial, that they all serve a great purpose, they all have amazing results, and that's why they continue to thrive and prosper, when in reality, these missionaries have a lot of harmful effects. Effects which have been associated with them for a multitude of reasons. The first one that I'm going to break down right now is advertisement. So to prepare for this episode, I did a lot of research into different Christian missionary programs because while while I'm a Christian myself, I have never been on a missionary trip. It's never been something that I felt like I wanted to do. It's just never been something that I've ever had an interest in. So I went online and I looked and researched through all of these Christian missionary groups. And one of them in particular was advertising a trip to Mexico to help people in un, like in lower class communities. And a theme that I've observed, like a pattern, should I say, that I've observed throughout all of these different missionary trips, their advertisements, was that they were being treated as some sort of vacation, as some sort of mode for relaxation. A specific advert for this missionary trip to Mexico actually stated verbatim, the last day of your mission trip is set aside for souvenir shopping and relaxing at the beach. We'll visit a local craft market and spend time at the Pacific Ocean. It almost sounds like a Disney cruise ship ad. You know, spend time getting souvenirs and shopping with your family and friends and go relax at the beach and chill. Like, it doesn't sound like a missionary effort to help improve the living conditions of those in lower class communities throughout foreign countries or third world countries. It just sounds like some kind of ploy to bring people in for a vacation. And again, from the surface level, which I mentioned before in this episode, there doesn't seem to be a problem with that necessarily. Like, it's not, there's nothing wrong with paying to go on a trip and also enjoying the amenities that this certain country or destination has to offer. But when you realize that these advertisements are, when these, that these organizations are simultaneously advertising, helping improve the living conditions of those in poor neighborhoods and communities, it doesn't seem like it's very feasible to do both because you can't. I mean, especially considering the duration of the majority of these, the overwhelming majority of these trips, most of them typically last anywhere from a week to two weeks, in most cases under a month. Long-term mission trips are very scarce. So when they say that they'll also offer these amenities like going to the beach and souvenir shopping that will only last a day, that day constitutes anywhere from 10 to 15% of the trip at the least. And that's not even the majority of trips, actually. Many missionary trips are even under a week because a lot of people can't afford to stay in these communities for months on end. So given that you're spending 10 to 15% of your trip at the very least souvenir shopping or at the beach or relaxing with friends and family, that's a, a chunk of time that could be devoted to helping quote-unquote improve the living conditions of people in these communities, which again is a stretch because it's very impossible to be able to do, to make so much change in such a small amount of time, in such a narrow time frame. So given that you're trying to include these amenities in such a small amount of time, it just can't be done. It's not feasible and it's just a marketing trap. And similar to the entire concept of something called voluntourism, a lot of these missionary missionaries come in with the mindset of being a tourist. They have a tourist mindset where they just want to be consumers, buy things, enjoy the scenery, the amenities without actually making a lasting impact on these impoverished communities. So while it may not seem like a huge issue, again, at the surface level, advertising missionary trips and activities organizations as something that's just a vacation, an extended vacation for friends and family to enjoy beaches and the Pacific Ocean, that does so much more harm than good because it effectively lures in people who don't really care much about making a lasting impact on impoverished communities, but who rather want some photo ops or a chance to relax at the beach, which is the entire base of these trips, teamwork. 
So when you learn in a team of people who are not really committed to the cause, it just sets up the stage for even worse implications. The next harmful aspect of these missionary trips, programs, and organizations lies in their founding ideology, the importance of conversion. As I said before, the underlying theme of all of these programs is to convert people to the Christian religion. And while, again, this seems harmless from a Christian viewpoint, it actually can do more harm than good when you realize that converting people in towns that have already established their own beliefs and traditions and cultures, it disrupts the flow of how they live their day-to-day lives. And while some of these missionary programs aren't as overt with their conversion purposes and like intentions as they might just advertise themselves as vacation-type programs with the advertisements I previously mentioned in missionary programs in Mexico, Other programs are a lot more overt with their ways of advertising their intentions. They might build churches or youth group programs in these impoverished communities. And given that these missionary programs go to areas where Christianity isn't well established, the problem becomes very, very clear when you realize that they have their own pre-established ways of life, ways of living, they have their own cultures, which are often aligned with their own religious beliefs that usually do not align with Christianity. Because Christianity, while it is a very popular religion, it isn't present in every single area throughout the entire globe. Meaning, going to convert people who don't want to be converted is a huge issue. And while the practice of voluntary conversion exists where one individual might decide that another religion is best for them and they decide to convert to that religion, many people do it through forceful ways, which might not seem as if they're done through physical acts of violence similar to how it was done to the natives back in the 17th, 16th century. They still have the power to disrupt the flow of these communities' traditional way of life. A prime demonstration of this can be seen through this year, 2021, where a Jewish rabbi, a supposed Jewish rabbi, um, was found to be exposed for allegations of him secretly being a Christian missionary from New Jersey, despite raising his family in an ultra-Orthodox community, which was done in an effort to mask his true religious beliefs. It was also alleged by an Orthodox news forum that his 13-year-old daughter, who he primarily raised, told a classmate, a Jewish classmate, that Jesus accepts everyone even if they are wrong. And just to add on to this long list of things, it was also alleged that he emigrated to Israel from the United States using forged documents while simultaneously pretending to be the descendants of Holocaust survivors to grant him citizenship. It's important here to note that the Jewish people have a relatively small global population, meaning that efforts to convert them to Christianity would be threatening their culture and tradition as they are an ethno-religion. So just like these missionary trips, as this Jewish man, supposed Jewish man, was a Christian missionary himself, allegedly, they have effects that go way beyond building houses of poor quality or raising children without skills to raise children. They attempt to convert people who most likely do not want to be converted because when you hear, when you live in an impoverished community and you hear that people are coming to help you, you're thinking, oh, they're going to help improve my living conditions, not transform my way of life and my culture that has been pre-established. But of course, mission groups, organizations, programs, etc. don't solely promise to convert people. If anything, that is one of the most obscured elements of their goals that they like to post on the internet for the majority of these mission programs. A lot of them actually promise to improve the living conditions of people in impoverished communities through doing things like building homes and raising children in nurseries that don't have parents present, etc. But what a lot of these missionary programs and trips fail to consider is just how complex poverty is. To quickly read an excerpt from an article written by an ex-missionary, 
Poverty is caused and perpetuated by a whole complex system of factors, including political corruption, unfair international trade laws, environmental degradation, illiteracy, and the list goes on. Meaning, traveling to an impoverished community or even country as a whole, handing out blankets to keep people warm, or building one home of poor quality, or helping feed a family or two, while those things seem good in themselves, they do almost nothing to mitigate the large-scale, very complex issue that is poverty. Because in immediate emergencies, maybe when a hurricane might hit a community that doesn't have the resources to mitigate the issues that are brought on by it to fix their own infrastructure, stuff like that, yeah, helping people by handing out blankets or keeping them warm, giving them meals is a great idea. And that's always a great thing to do. It's always a very, it's always a great act to, you know, feed those who need food. I mean, it's a very simple thing. It's a very simple thing to understand. But when you realize that a lot of these missionary groups and programs are only in these destinations, these impoverished communities for a week or two at a time, they make no lasting impact. And that's because in the majority of these third world countries or impoverished communities, the poverty that people experience is often systemic. They don't just decide, oh, I'm going to be poor because I'm quote unquote lazy. A lot of these people are very hard workers. They are selfless and they do, they're very resilient and they do a lot to try to keep themselves afloat amidst awful economic situations. But when you realize that this poverty is systemic, meaning that it doesn't result from somebody's personal inability to work or something, it often results from like I said before, political corruption or environmental degradation, international trade laws. That's not something that a missionary group of 10 Christians from Florida can come and fix by handing out Lunchables. And that's not to say that giving food to those in need is a bad thing, like it's something wrong per se, but rather when you promise to help improve the living conditions of those in impoverished communities and you're not making a lasting impact, but rather infiltrating their way of life and their pre-established culture by trying to convert them and by building homes with poor quality because you are not qualified construction workers, etc. There's just the list of things goes on. When you realize that those factors cannot coexist, the whole situation just becomes not worth it. It's not worth it to try to transform a com- community's way of life through converting them forcefully and then also not making a lasting impact. It's not worth it. And a topic point that I mentioned briefly, I don't know if you caught it, that I actually emphasized a lot, so you probably did catch it, was that a lot of these missionary workers and Christians that come to convert people through their Christ-like efforts are unqualified. Of course, like there's nothing wrong from the surface level with wanting to help people to escape poor situations and communities. But when you realize that these volunteers are often unqualified, for example, volunteers that come to build homes without any type of constructional skills, like something similar to like Habitat for Humanity, those things often aren't led. When I'm talking about mission trips, I just use like that organization as an example. Not, I'm not talking about them specifically. But when you realize that these mission trips aren't backed by leaders and pioneers of construction, like the people that volunteer do not know how to build a house. They go there, they learn, they do it. And they don't do it in a quality, a way of quality because they don't have any qualifications. They don't know how to build a home. So they end up staying in these places for like one to two weeks at a time, at most, in most situations, like for a month, building these poor quality homes. And maybe a few years down the line, they collapse and the homes are no longer good to live in. And are those volunteers going to come back and return to build them and to rejuvenate them? Probably not. And of course, this doesn't go for every single mission program because, of course, there are ones that include doctors, for example, who are obviously qualified through their extensive training in medical school and graduate programs, etc., who travel to impoverished communities to help expand accessibility to healthcare. Those are great examples of 
the long-term like positive implications that can potentially be bought by mission work, by missionary work, especially when they're long-term, the longer you stay, the better. But you know, when these qualified individuals go to these impoverished communities to help make a medical difference, that's a great aspect. Like that's a great aspect of a lot of missionary programs because they're qualified. But when you look at the overwhelming majority of the people who constitute these trips, they're not qualified. They're just random Christians from like suburban communities who don't know how to build a home or how to care for little children. They're just there to quote unquote make an impact that they have no means of doing through a quality way. But perhaps one of the most destructive aspects of missionary programs and trips is the self-gratification that comes with it. Let me explain. There are a large amount of people that are missionaries solely for self-gratitude, and while they probably will not admit that or ever admit that to themselves, it is very clear that when people go on these trips to make themselves feel better about themselves, to make themselves seem like saints, like people that we should be actively admiring because they're just so selfless. For example, after the summer ends, after school begins and all of, you know, the stress of school starts, you know, pouring in on these students, I often see a slew of posts on Instagram where people will post, oh, I'm I'm just reminiscing about this time I spent volunteering in Uganda and it's like a week-long trip and it's just imposing with black children. And that's very important to note because the overwhelming majority of people that go on these mission trips and programs are white. They're white Christians with a very large amount of privilege who go to these third world countries often to make themselves feel better. And again, it's not something that they would ever admit to themselves. I mean, if I knew that I was being, if, if I knew that I was participating in self-gratification, I would not admit that to myself. I mean, that's embarrassing to me. But a lot of these people are in it to make themselves seem like saints. And it's the overwhelming, very clear truth. It's very important to notice that a lot of these trips, when they advertise themselves, again, to circle back to that advertisement element, which is a very important one, they often center these adverts around benefiting the volunteer rather than the person that they will be volunteering for. Just to circle back to that advert for the Mexican a missionary trip that I mentioned before early in this episode. It states that the last day of your mission trip is set aside for souvenir shopping and relaxing at the beach. We'll visit a local craft market and spend time at the Pacific Ocean. Besides the the manner that they're advertising this in, which makes it appear to be some kind of paid for all inclusive vacation, you have to notice that the, look at the pronouns they're using. You, 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 we, we, you. Your mission trip, we, us, we're going to spend time relaxing at the beach. This is centered around the benefit of the volunteer, the volunteerer, the person that's volunteering. Like it's not, it's not centered around actually helping people, making long-term lasting impacts in impoverished communities. It's centered around the enjoyment of the volunteer who will be paying to essentially go on a vacation to make themselves feel better. It's centered around self-gratification and the white savior complex. And that term, the white savior complex, is fairly new, and it's defined by the I activism organization as a term used to refer to white people who seek to help non-white people for their own benefit. And of course, this is not to say that any white person who does any volunteer work ever is there to make themselves feel better about themselves. Well, that could be the case for a certain person, I mean, if the shoe fits, it doesn't go for everyone. Obviously, that's a huge generalization to make. But what's important to note is that in a lot of these images that these uh, mission programs, Christian mission programs, promote on their websites in these huge banners. It often consists of a white Christian holding two small black children. And it's in an impoverished community. 
And it's done to it's done in an effort to use these children as a prop to make it seem like, oh, look at this white Christian. They are being a saint because they are holding two black kids that need food and they are feeding them food and they are just helping improve the quality of their lives just one step at a time. They did all of this within a week. It really alludes to the fact that so many people that are doing this volunteer work, this missionary work, are there to fulfill their white savior desires, to make them feel better, for self-gratification. So to provide a specific demonstration of this complex, this white savior complex, I wanted to go over the example of John Allen Cho. John Allen Cho was a Christian individual who characterized himself as someone who wasn't a missionary, but rather someone who was simply called to spread the gospel, the word of Christ. So in 2018, he traveled illegally, you have to me- like I have to mention illegally, to the North Sentinel Island with the primary goal of preaching Christianity to the Sentinelese people and converting them to Christianity. It's important to note that there is such a small population of Sentinelese, Sentinelese people currently alive, given that they live in isolation. They are especially vulnerable to diseases that they haven't built immunity to, which makes them justifiably weary of outside travelers. Um, he died, he was killed by one of the Sentinelese people, I keep stuttering, and many people, as a result, view this man as a hero, somebody who, you know, spread the words of Christianity just remarkably, he was brave, he was confident, and they paint the Sentinelese people as crazy, which is just an unfair depiction of them. I mean, they're people who have their own, as I mentioned before in this episode, pre-established way of life. They have their own society that they structure around themselves. They have their own way of life and their own beliefs. So when somebody comes from their outside perspective, to come and shift them to Christianity, what they believe is the truth, and just to kind of shift their ideals without their consent, without their willing, like they're not willing to do that. They can do whatever they want. They they did have the justification to kill that man. I mean, obviously, killing is wrong, but when people try to paint the Sentinelese people, who were a breed of people that exist in less than the thousands, there's supposed to be anywhere from near 150 to 200 of them in the entire world. When people try to paint them as crazy monsters, cannibals, it's really unfair. And it effectively fuels people's white savior complexes, making them even more willing to go out into impoverished communities, isolated communities, to spread their beliefs and to try to make lasting impacts that just aren't possible in such a small amount of time. And at this point, many of you might be wondering, well, if we can't be missionary workers and travel to countries one or two weeks at a time to make a lasting impact, what is it that we can do to help people escape these impoverished communities and just improve their living conditions? Well, the solution is very simple. Donate money. Money will always be more valuable, as opposed to non-culturally competent people traveling to these areas to improve others' lives within too short of a time frame. Because too short of a time frame is, again, too short to make long-term change. And I don't understand why money is viewed as a quote-unquote lazy solution, a lazy way out to make change, when it really provides the most sustainable change. Because you're funding resources, you're funding programs that are full, that are constituted by very qualified individuals, not random volunteers looking to get a selfie of kids that are starving for their Instagrams. To read again from the article that was written by an ex-missionary worker, a more effective way to alleviate poverty is through long-term, sustainable programs that work alongside and empower community members to help themselves. Essentially, the main takeaway here is that missionary work is largely unnecessary in most cases when not done in a long-term way. You do not have to infiltrate a foreign community's way of life to make an impact. 
With that being said, I hope you're able to learn something new about missionary work and maybe uncover some new truths about how it might be more harmful than helpful in a large amount of cases. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in next week here on The Little Perspective.